Please grab a seat now. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Genesis where everything begins. The book of Genesis in the 18th chapter. Uh, and I want to share a message with you this morning that I really believe is going to be a word for somebody in this room. And I believe God's got something fresh for you. As we're stepping into a new year, I truly believe that this is going to be a year of accelerated momentum in the life of C3 and also in your personal life. And as we're stepping into a new season, even as I said those words, your reaction, your, your, your willingness to hear that and to, to have a yes in your, your spirit is exactly what I want to preach to this morning. And let's begin in Genesis 18.1. The Bible says that the Lord, somebody say the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought that you may all wash your feet and then rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can eat and be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. Verse 7. Then he ran to the herd and he selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. The Bible's so polite. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. I love this verse. Sarah was afraid. So she lied to God, by the way, and said, I did not laugh. But God said, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> when this passage of Scripture is written, Abraham and Sarah have already been on this journey for many, many years, 25 plus years. It was over 25 years ago when Sarah one day was sitting down with her favorite girlfriends having high tea and her husband Abraham came into the room bug-eyed, wild and animated. He came rushing up to the table where she was sitting and interrupted her conversation and said, Sarah, Sarah, get, come home. We're going to pack up everything. We're leaving. She's like, what, what, what baby? What, what do you mean we're leaving? He said, we're leaving. We're out of here. We're going to another place. She stands, moves away from the table and says, okay, baby, where are we going? He said, I, I don't know, but God just spoke to me and we're going to leave here. We're going somewhere new. He's taking us to a new land. 
Sarah, a dutiful wife, went home and packed up her possessions and so they left. They just set off on the journey and days and weeks into a journey of camping every night and moving and traversing by camel, I guess. They set out from one place and went to another until one day in the middle of a new environment surrounded by people who spoke different languages, Abraham speaks to his wife, Sarah, and he says, baby, this is it. This is what? This is the place where God has called us to be. See, everything that you can see, Sarah, He's gonna give this land to us. It's gonna be ours. What do you mean? I'm telling you, God's gonna give us this land and baby, He's gonna give us descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. They have no children. That journey, by the way, was the second journey that Abraham had taken his wife on. She'd already left her family, moved to a new home, made a new home. Now he called her to leave that home. And for the next 25 years, Abraham and Sarah were sojourners in a land that was not their own. They dwelt every day in a tent. Every day, Abraham, it felt like he kept getting a new word from God, a fresh assurance, a fresh word. He'd share his dream with his wife, get her excited. Every night, they'd go to bed expectant that as they came together as a couple, it was going to fulfill that promise that God had given to them. But those weeks turned into months, and those months turned into years, and those years turned into decades. And after years of trying and keeping and believing, Sarah could feel within herself changes in her body and knew that the end of her years where she would give birth to a child were coming. As she felt that day coming in her life, she was a mixture of two emotions. One, surely any day now I'm gonna find out that I'm pregnant. Any day now I'm gonna feel that flutter in my belly. Any day now I'm gonna know that God has fulfilled His promise to me. The other emotion. What if my husband missed it? What if he had too many pizzas one night and a cheese-inspired dream caused him to see something that wasn't real at all? And what God is supposedly saying to him is just my husband with a vain belief in his heart. Sarah reached that age where finally menopause was upon her and she knew that she could no longer give birth to children. And as she went through that season in her life with no child, something broke in her fragile little heart. The Bible tells us that when Abraham is 99 years old, the Lord appears to him. On the distance out there in the horizon, Abraham sees three men. And the Bible tells us about Abraham that even though he is old and well advanced in years, there is still this expectation about Abraham, this bigness about Abraham, this belief that is found in Abraham. And this 99-year-old geriatric hurried to meet the men that were on the horizon. Everything he does in our passage, he does in a hurry until he stands while God eats. An amazing accounting because the Bible tells us that while Abraham is sitting at the edge of the tent, that Sarah is buried deep in the tent. That Sarah is just hanging out in the tent. Where is your wife? God asks. In the tent, Abraham says. In the tent. Because no matter where that crazy husband drags her, she'll always have a tent. No matter where he makes her move today, 
oh, the environment might change out there and the language might be different out there, but you can't take my tent. I've got my TV, got my rug. This is my place. This is constant to me. This is home for me. This is familiar for me. This is safe for me. No matter where you take me, I'll always have my tent. And I think if it, if it was true of us, we would probably acknowledge that in life, it's easy for us to begin the journey of our faith and the journey of our lives with the same zeal and expectation like someone like Abraham has. It's easy to be a believer with a great confident sense of an outlook. With, a, with, a, with an expectation for something that's still ahead. With a feeling like God is gonna do something wonderful in the days that are coming for me, to live with that bigness. But the truth is, my friend, that as life begins to happen to us and as knocks occur in our lives and our dreams get threatened and our shallow egos get damaged and our hopes are disappointed and as failure and setback and trial and difficulty comes our way, it is very easy for us, regardless of our age, to retreat from the front lines, to, to recoil from a life that is out there, to pull back from a confident expectation. And it is the natural drift of life that you and I become occupants of the tent. To dwell within our own neighborhood, our little routine, our safe habits, our familiar customs, our predictable patterns, our tent, our tent. And when the Lord arrives to speak to Abraham, the Bible tells us, that Sarah is in the tent. Now, if you're wondering whether you live in the tent, then understand this, that fear lives in the tent. If you turn back in your Bibles, just a couple of chapters to Genesis 15, you will find that Abraham is in his tent in the middle of the night. And the Bible tells us that the Lord spoke to him in the tent and his opening line was, do not be afraid. And Abraham then begins to reveal his fear. He says, Lord, why should I not be afraid when I have no child and Eliezer of Damascus is going to inherit everything that I have and I will become a laughingstock in my dreams. My dreams will never come to pass because I have no child. And God's first instruction to Abraham was come out of your tent. Count the stars, because if you can count them, you can count your descendants. And Abraham, Genesis 15, 6, arguably the most important verse in the Bible, Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. He had to come out of the tent to hear. It is fear that lives in the tent. It is the familiar that rules us in the tent. It is, it is the now to which we are sentenced when we are occupants of the tent. And the Bible tells us that when the Lord appears to have this conversation, that the question is asked, where is your wife, Sarah? And he says, she is in the tent. Anybody understand what I'm talking about today? As that word is given, 
the Lord replies to Abraham and here is his promise. And I wanna hear it for somebody today. I, I, I just really feel, and I was praying early this morning and I feel that there's somebody going through a difficult season in your life and you need to hear what God said to Sarah as he spoke and he said about this, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife will have a son. I'm going to come back in one year. In one year, I'm going to turn everything in your life around. Does anybody in this room who still believes that in one year, God can turn it all around? God can turn a marriage around. God can turn a health report around. Does anybody believe we might get back to the leader's big day out in 2020 and discover that God has turned it all around? If you believe that, give your God some praise right now. He is the God who turns it all around. The Bible tells us that this promise is given and Sarah, who is still back here in her tent, the Bible says that as God declares what she has longed for her whole life, that Sarah laughs. <laughs> I have no voice. <laughs> That's a manly laugh. It doesn't feel fitting of Sarah. That is not honoring of her memory. Sarah laughs. She laughs to herself. She laughs. <laughs> I've heard this all my life from this crazy husband. I've heard this before. I've heard enthusiasm. I've heard the positive speak. I've heard the faith promises. I've heard the worship leader declaring God's presence is here. Ha, ha, ha. It's a laugh, it's a laugh, it's a laugh. It's a laugh that we find, that we find not only in Sarah, but we find in us. I promise you, friend, if I pushed you hard enough, I'd find your laugh. If I began to go through every promise of God's Word, I reckon I could find a laugh. Did you know that your God can heal every sickness, cure every disease? God can provide supernaturally for you, God. God can bring joy where there has been mourning. God can fill an empty home. God can transform. God can deliver an addiction. God can prosper a business. God can save a soul. God brings dead things back to life again. Am I in C3 this morning? If you believe it, praise your God in this house this morning. We serve the God of miracles. Somebody shout amen. But it is that laugh, it's that laugh that kicks in. It's that laugh. The laugh, my friends, is what sentences us to the ordinary. It is the laugh that robs us of the miraculous. It is our laugh, that laugh that is born of years. It is the laugh that comes from our delays and our denials. It is the laugh. It is the laugh of our cynicism, of our skepticism, of our dubiousness. It is the lack of our innocent belief in the promises of God that robs us of His will and His promise in our hearts that allows us to hold the miracle in the very spirit of who we are. Her laugh, her laugh, her laugh. And friends, for all of us, God comes to us in moments of our lives where our promises seem a long way off where the things of God are calling to us and the reality of our circumstances seems so overwhelming when we are tempted to recoil rather than to push forward. And God comes to us in these moments of our lives and He not only reminds us, 
of his promise. But he clarifies our life with a question. And his question for you and his question for me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Why did you laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? As we begin a new year, a new year that I believe is filled with prophetic promise, a new year that is laden with opportunities, a new year before us when our King and our Savior has the potential and power to do the miraculous in and through our lives. As we begin this new season, as God is desiring to speak to His people, I think it is important for us to stop and ask ourselves the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Can a woman who's gone through menopause give birth to a child? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can a business that looks like it's on its last legs be revived to life and prosperity again? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can a body that is ill be no strength and health again? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can a marriage that feels lackluster be filled with joy and wonder? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can a, can a family with a wayward child know that kid coming back to the Lord? Is that too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Lord? Can we purchase land? Can we build buildings? Can we advance the kingdom? Can we start new churches? Can we win a lost generation to Jesus? Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, friends, I believe with all my heart that we do not serve a God who is unable. We serve a God who is well able. We do not serve a God whose arm is short. We serve a God whose arm is able to save and to heal. We serve a God of power. I need an amen. We serve a God of miracles, a God of might, a God who never lacks. And as we start into this new year, my friend, I feel that it is important for you and I to ask our question, a question of our Savior. Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, my friend, the truth is about Sarah that life has happened to her. And as life has happened to her, she has exchanged her big for small. And I don't know if you've ever stopped to consider it, but of you and me, it is true of our lives that one of the greatest struggles we will ever face is to trade the small, to embrace the big. You must understand about your God that your God is not small. Your God is big. Our God is able. Our God is not. Our God is big. He is B-I-G big big and one of the greatest struggles of our lives is to embrace this God who is a big God because when God comes to your life when God comes to mine God doesn't come to us and speak to us out of the smallness of our circumstances he comes to speak to us out of the bigness of who he is and whenever He comes and He speaks, His Word will never appear to us like it is somehow easily attainable or realistically possible or, or somehow just within our grasp. No, if this is the voice of the Lord in us, it is not honoring of who He is. Our God is not a small God. He is a big and a mighty God. Come on, I ain't got much voice, but I'm preaching it with all I got. If you believe it, give Him some praise in this place. 
He's a big and a mighty God. And that big God comes to you and me. And when His Word comes into our lives, His Word is always a, it's a big word. Have you ever stopped to consider what life must have been like? See, if we're going to understand the voice of God, we've got to go all the way back and consider Adam and Eve and the environment of the garden. For it is only in the garden that we see the world as God designed for it to be. Adam and Eve dwelt in that garden and God said to them, I want you to take dominion. I want you to flourish. I want you to fill the earth. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Abraham, sorry, for Adam and for Eve that they desired one day they're walking along together, nutty buddies for Jesus. And as they're walking along together, the Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't say, but I say that Abraham, sorry, Adam turned to Eve and he said, hey, baby, I reckon we should grow some strawberries. I reckon there would be a great place. That's a good idea, darling. So they threw seed into the ground. Without weed, thistle, thorn, briar, bird, any obstacle, the, 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 the environment of the garden would have allowed those strawberries to flourish in the earth. I'd like some mangoes, some juicy, juicy mangoes. Let's have some potatoes to keep our Irish friends happy. Let, let's go for it. Let's just plant whatever we want and everything they planted, every endeavor that they set about, every task that they put their hand to was successful. Can you imagine living in a world where everything you did worked? Can you imagine living a life where everything you touched flourished? Are you understand what I'm saying? Can you imagine what it would be like if you never experienced failure or setback or tragedy or loss? They lived in a world where everything they did flourished. Do you think they dreamed small? Do you think their expectations were little? No, they thought big. They dreamt big. They believed big. They planned big. And when God spoke to Adam and Eve, He spoke to them not small. He spoke to them big. And the Bible tells us that in that garden, the serpent, the devil, deceived Adam and Eve. And as a result of that, they ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree. And as a result of that, the Bible says their eyes were opened and that they realized that they were naked. They had always been naked, but their emphasis, their focus had never been on their shortcomings. They never looked at what was wrong with them, never considered what might diminish or hold them back. They never saw anything as a disqualifier of their potential. They only saw who they were in light of the image of God and the reality of their circumstances. And with the entrance of sin, they traded big for small. And now we live in a world impacted by that sin. It intrudes on every dream. It comes in the way of every promise. It is there as a deceptive thought at every moment of failure and disappointment and setback and delay and years of waiting. Everything leads us to a point where the big in us evaporates and we are reduced to the small. So it should be of no surprise to us that in the chronology of Scripture, the second question God ever asked a human 
was, is anything too hard for the Lord? His first question, who told you that you were naked? His second question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, this is a simple message. I hope it's encouraging somebody because I believe that honestly over your life and this new year, God has something amazing in store. I believe God is not vain in His promises. I don't believe for a second that His power is impotent. I don't, I don't question for a moment that our God of divine promise ever puts a dream in our hearts to taunt us or to frustrate us. I believe in a God, a promise, a God of vision, a God of new life, a God who fulfills fills His Word and a God who is faithful to His promises. Does anybody else believe in that God here today? And as we look to this new year and as we look to our God, our question this morning is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Our God is able. Our God can do it. I'm promising over somebody's life in this auditorium a miraculous turnaround in 2019, an open door where things look shut, a prospering hand of God where it seems like it would only be adversity. If you will stand in the presence of God, you will discover that God's promise over your life is new in 2019. His word is ever sure. His promises are faithful. God outworks His will in and through our lives. Come on, if you believe it, give me a hearty amen out there. I'm preaching to someone. I'm preaching to someone. I'm preaching to someone who's been laughing through this message, who's been doubting in that promise. I don't mean you're a cynical person in your heart. I mean you're mean-spirited. I just mean you find it hard to be a person who when you hear God's Word, just receives it with two hands and a heart wide open. Push back the curtains of your tent. Get rid of the fear and the disappointment and the discouragement. If this is going to be the year of the party, then how about we believe that God can make us Sarah who might have laughed at the promise, but then named her child laughter because she laughed when Isaac was born. Somebody give God some praise about that. Oh. That's a word for somebody. This is going to be an Isaac year in your life. You might have felt like you've been a laugher in the tent but she might have laughed in the tent, but she named that kid laughter because she laughed not only with skepticism, she laughed with wonder at, and, and joy at the goodness of God in her life. Oh, anybody believe that this could be the year where we party the goodness of Jesus? I need you to praise God for five seconds like you believe it. We're going to have that kind of year. We're going to have that kind of year. God's looking to speak to us as we start. Ben, please come and join me. God is looking to speak to us as we start into this new year with new promises, with fresh words, with great miracles that He will do in this year, in our lives and in this church. And as we start into this new year, His question for us is anything. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? When my daughter Lara, was, she's 14 now, when she was about five years old, I went, I went on a trip to, um, to the United Kingdom and to Europe. It was a preaching tour. 
And it was just when the iPhone had come out <laughs> and iPads. And I, I took thousands of photos. I came back and I sat down on my couch with my daughter, Lara. And with my iPad, I began to show her photo after photo. His Big Ben, his Buckingham Palace. This is Manchester. This is Etihad Stadium where the greatest football team in all the world, Manchester City, play. This is Old Trafford where the devil is glorified. I showed her Glasgow where my granddad was born. I showed her photo after photo. Then we got to Paris. I showed her the Champs-Élysées. I showed her the Louvre. I showed her the Musée d'Orsay where Monet's watercolors are around the walls. I showed her the Eiffel Tower. And when I showed her a photo of the Eiffel Tower, my little five-year-old daughter looked up at me. I will never forget her words. She said, Daddy, can I go there one day? And I realized in a moment that this was a special time because she wasn't just asking a question. She was presenting a desire within her to believe for something. She wasn't thinking like I was thinking because I think small. I'm an adult. I've had to save for things my whole life. I've had bills that I didn't want to pay, taxes I've had to endure. Come on, anybody. And as I was thinking about this, my daughter was saying, not can I save the money? Will I be able to get a passport? Will it be safe for a blonde girl to walk the streets of Paris alone? She's not asking these questions. She's simply asking, Daddy, do you say that I can go there? I looked at that daughter that day and I said, Darling, you can go anywhere you want to go. You can do anything that you want to do. Your life has no limits over it. If it's in your heart to do it, you can do it. Well, my little daughter that day began to draw pictures of the Eiffel Tower. I can show you books, books, books. Her wall is covered with pictures of the Eiffel Tower. She began to say, when I'm old, I'm going to live in France. She started to put these pictures all over the wall. I never thought I'd be able to take her there. To be honest with you, I thought that's a dream that's beyond me. Well, two years ago, my daughter was 12 years old. I'll never forget waiting up next to the river in the middle of Paris. I came out of my bedroom. My daughter was clothed in a brand new dress she'd just gotten for her auntie's wedding in Rome. We walked down the street. We arrived at the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel, uh, Tower. We took a thousand photos. We were there in a moment. And it caused me to remind myself that we must trade the cynicism of our adulthood for the innocence of a child. We must believe again in the promises of our God, for our God is able. And this is going to be a year where dreams are going to be fulfilled, where God's Word is going to be revealed. And if you believe that, stand to your feet and give your God some praise. Come on, praise Him all over this building right now. Our God is able. Our God is faithful. If you believe it, lift your voice and praise Him. Praise Him.
Come on, sing it out. 